Live from Beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor in your window, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, our guests include Richard Porter, National Republican GOP Committeeman for Illinois, David Masiotra, liberal author, Mike Miller, an economist with Western Washington University, and Judith Sherwin, who is a pro-Trump Republican attorney here in Chicago. Our phone lines open at 1-800-723-8029. We're coming to you from just outside Chicago, the uh, AM560 studios. Uh, That's uh, Salem Radio in Chicago. And again, uh, nice to have you with us. Happy New Year to everybody. And I want to begin, since this is the, the first of many shows we will be doing uh, in campaign 2024, we've already it's like we've already done you know 20 or 25 of them already, but um, I want to talk about uh, January 6th, its political impact because obviously with the president's announcement the other day of running for re-election or his first campaign uh, commercial uh, deals with looking backward, looking back to Charlottesville, looking back to uh, the demonstrations and riots that took place on January 6th, uh, three years ago. So my question to you is, and obviously Donald Trump uh, constantly talks about that, thinking, wanting to, uh, you know, actually have a a pardon for those people who have been convicted of their crimes uh, three years ago. So my question to you is, because the Supreme Court, as you know, will soon weigh in and and offer their opinions on some key ballot access issues that are before them, primarily from the state of Colorado and Maine. But I want to begin this evening with, I think, probably the big unanswered question of this year. And it's primarily for Republican voters, but I think it's for independent voters as well. And that is, where do you come down right now? What do you remember about January 6th. What do you remember about it when it happened? What do you remember about it now? And will it have an impact on how you vote in the future? Because obviously Donald Trump believes there's a lot of people who view, as as he does, that January 6th really was not a big deal and that he should not be held accountable for what happened. And yet I think there's large numbers of people, perhaps in the millions, who disagree and are on the side of those that are going before state state institutions now and asking them to keep Donald Trump from his name appearing on the ballot, which is what's happening. It happened last week here in the state of Illinois. So my question to you, and I'm going to begin with, uh, with you, uh, Richard Porter. Thank you very much. For the last 10 years, you have been the Republican National Committeeman from the state of Illinois. And again, for most people listening to the program, that would mean you probably fall under the establishment Republican wing of the party, which is a very powerful wing. But my question to you is, look back. What did you think when you were watching television three years ago? And has your opinion of what you saw differ? Does it differ today? Well, first, you know, one of the things I say always is that you become an establishment Republican after you've been involved for more than one election cycle. <laughs> so uh, if you're grassroots today, in a year, you'll be establishment too. Um, so I actually didn't see it live. Uh, we were actually at RNC meetings down in Florida at the time. And uh, the word started spreading that there was, uh, you know, a protest that got out of hand and turned into a riot at the Capitol. And uh, I didn't see it until later that night and really didn't... Uh, 
go through it more and then watch the president's speech, you know, for a couple of days, really, just to, to back up and see what, what on earth happened. Um, but look, it, it was wrong. I mean, there's just no if, and, or buts about that. Was it an insurrection? No. That's a lot like how a punter uh, feigns great pain and, you know, throws their hands up and falls backwards when someone brushes by them. And, and look, January 6th is more than brushing by. It was, it was wrong. It was wrong. It was wrong. But it wasn't an insurrection. Everybody went home after they, they protested and uh, there weren't arms. Um, and the idea that this was somehow the start of a revolution is ridiculous. It was a one-day, one-day one thing, uh, and I think the Supreme Court will find that. Do most of your friends and colleagues and those within your social sphere, do they agree with that assessment? I think everybody thinks it was wrong. Uh, how you characterize it, what are the labels you put on it beyond wrong, uh, I think— you know, vary on where you are. I think on the left, they want to kind of leap towards, you know, this was a something worse than the attack on the on the courthouse in Oregon, for example, during the uh, George Floyd uh, uh, riots. So, look, I mean, it was wrong. It was inexcusable. Okay. And I think the president's behavior was poor. Was it insurrection? No. Does the 14th Amendment apply? No. Judith Sherwin also joins us. She is also an attorney. Uh, you're a pro-Trump Republican. I've identified you. You've been that. You've carried that banner, you know, with gl great glee for the last year on this program. But as an attorney, were you watching it? What did you think about when you were watching it on TV, and how has that opinion changed, if at all, now? Well, I I did not see it actually as it was happening, um, like Richard. Um, what I did see were the tweets that the president was putting out before Twitter shut him down. And uh, I didn't see the president's speech either, President Trump's speech, because um, I was working. So I just really didn't see any of it. Even the news clips? Well, later, later. Yeah. I saw later. I would agree that this was a riot, that it got out of hand, that people should not have broken into the Capitol. Um, I don't think it was an insurrection. I don't think it was worse than 9-11. I think that this is the Reichstag fire. And for those of you who don't know what the Reichstag fire was, the Nazis came to power through, some, through many incidents, one of which was setting the Reichstag, which was their legislature, on fire, blaming the communists and the Jews, and getting everybody all crazy in Germany so that in 1933 they put Hitler in office, period. That's what this was. This was the Reichstag fire. And I, I firmly believe that there were people in the crowd who were helping this along, okay? Did you feel that then or is that now? Um, as, a, as the days went on afterwards, I looked at it and the whole thing didn't make a whole lot of sense. Okay in terms of, of, the, of Trump supporters doing it. Yep. Plus, you had the president coming out and saying, finally, in a video, go home, okay? Let's Stop I want, this. I want, I want to get our other guests involved. David Masiotra, you are a liberal Democrat. Uh, uh, how did you see it when it happened, and has your opinion changed at all? I watched it live on January 6th. Uh, <clears throat> I was saddened. I was outraged. I was embarrassed. And uh, the entire thing happened due to the incitement of Donald Trump and his uh, obsession 
with this delusional lie that he did not lose the election to Joe Biden, which I will remind everyone, he started before one vote was counted. He was saying months before the election that they're going to steal it, there's going to be fraud, there's going to be illegal immigrants voting. And he did tell the people to go home, but after hours of their rioting, he also said they were beautiful people, and to this day he calls them great patriots. David, we, David, on that point, we do we do have to we, we do have to pause. When we come back, I want to hear from Mike Miller and one 800 is the phone number if you want to weigh in with your thoughts. I'm Bruce Dumont. We can tell you about the incredible success we bring to local businesses, but it's better when it comes directly from our satisfied clients. Here's just one example. After searching for a new vendor to handle my search marketing campaign, I contacted Salem Surround after seeing the great work they did for another restoration company in the different market. Their team of experts recommended a mix of multiple tactics designed to get my business the most quality leads at the lowest cost, making my marketing budget stretch further. In our first year partnering with Salem Surround, we recorded our best year to date, and I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had. Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we can come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Visit surroundchicago.com and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to visit surroundchicago.com today. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Hergaris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. As parents, we want our children to grow up healthy and strong. That means helping teens take responsibility for their health as they become young adults. One way to do that is to make sure they have one-on-one time with their pediatrician. That helps them become comfortable talking about any health issue with their doctors and with you. So make sure to give your teen a voice. It's good for their health. For more on teen health, visit HealthyChildren.org. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. 
Bruce Dumont back, and uh, we continue with our discussion, but we did not hear from Mike uh, Miller, uh, professor from uh, Western Washington University, economist, uh, uh, in that last segment. So, Mike, uh, what were your thoughts uh, three years ago on January 6th, and uh, what are they now? Well, I was embarrassed with what my fellow Republicans were doing. Uh, that's just not how we behave. You know, when we have when we have get-togethers, we actually leave the place we leave cleaner than when we, when we showed up, unlike the Democrats. And so I was disappointed. I was disappointed in Mr. Trump. But let me add, and I agree with Richard and, and Judith, but a couple real quick things. Uh, did Mr. Trump have the right to say the things he did? I know David, you know, he kind of incited. The answer is, on, and this is based upon... Uh, I'd say um, lawyers from the left, like Dershowitz and Turley and so forth. Yes, it is absolutely protected speech. Right. Uh, he may not, uh, you know, he believes a lie. Okay, it is absolutely protected speech. And the one thing I think will will play bigger someday when this can be uh, the history can be <clears throat> written fairly when the hatred of Donald Trump finally goes away, <clears throat> and that is the role played by Nancy Pelosi's reluctance or unwillingness to provide um, uh, security on right. that day. She was asked explicitly to send in what? I, a, a thousand people or whatever. 10,000. 10,000. 10, 10, and she absolutely refused. I'm convinced Muriel that Bowser, she, in her heart of hearts, wanted this to happen. Yeah, Muriel and, Bowser, um, too. Well, uh, she was mayor. on. Yeah. Uh, Nancy Pelosi was on the news today. And, of course, her, her response was that. Uh, you know that that she tried to do that with the with the military people involved, and uh, they couldn't get through to the. De- 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 oh, that's nonsense. De- well, I guess that's, that's her. That's, <laughs> that's her opinion, and what we're trying. What, I, what I'm trying that's to. Okay. Do, you, you you made a comment, Mike. You know when when we when we all know what these answers are, is is election day this year going to be? Is it going to be the end of this discussion? Because no. I think the big question is. How many people who watched that, who believe it, who watched the hearings, who've watched network television depict this in all negative ways against Donald Trump, can we say when this election is over that the people have made their decision based on all of that? And this thing literally can be in our rearview mirror, Richard, or, or is it going to be around forever? I, I think that uh, it's going to obviously it's going to define the election. It's going to be a close election. Uh, if President Trump were to be reelected as president, uh, I think the, you know, the political left-wing media establishment will continue to go after him. They won't put it behind them. Uh, it'll be one thing after another, um, and it's just going to be, you know, the perils of Pauline. Right. We're going to have this perpetual for the next four years. Right. As a as a pro-Trump Republican, Judith, mm-hmm. do you think that it is still a good idea? For Donald Trump to keep bringing up this issue, or should he, should he, which issue, Bruce? The the issue of January sixth, his role in it, whether it was a riot or not, should he view that as something in the rearview mirror? And is it something that people who are out there who want to vote do they want do they want to relitigate this, or would they like to know what Donald Trump is going to do at the border and with the economy and with and, and, and with crime in the streets. So I don't know if you watch. Are, I don't things know. that are future. Okay, I don't know if you watch any of his speeches. He he devotes about five minutes to this uh, every time he speaks. The rest of the time he talks about the border. He talks about the economy. He doesn't really talk about the trials, okay? And, and quite frankly, this can't be in the rearview mirror until Jack Smith goes away. 
And hopefully the Supreme Court is going to do something about making Jack Smith go away because there's a case called Fisher versus the United States, I believe, which is on the docket, which is on the issue of whether or not this ridiculous charge of disrupting an official proceeding can be used in connection with the January 6th riot. Uh, most legal scholars, many legal scholars, we'll put it that way, believe that it cannot, including, I, including Dershowitz, including Turley, including a whole bunch of people you've never I heard go, of. I want, okay. to go, I want to go back to uh, David, because what I, what I also want to talk, we have obviously two lawyers here this evening. We've seen a lot of lawyers on TV. Jonathan Turley has become a household name in, in America because of his participation and analysis on Fox. And my question to you, David, is, uh, is this going to be all about lawyering? I mean, are we going to be listening to lawyers between now and Election Day and, 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 and thinking that voters are going to respond to their analysis of this? Or is there a time that the Democrats are going to say, listen, let's put this issue beside and let's talk about other issues? The only other issue that, that, that Joe Biden is talking about is, is what, a, what a threat to democracy uh, Donald Trump is. And he uses January 6th as an example of that. He also uses, you know, Charlottesville, which was even before Donald Trump was elected, as an no, example. Well, no, he was already elected. After, after, he was, was yeah. already elected. He was. I stand corrected on that. But, David, what's your answer to that? Is this all about how lawyers are going to argue this? Yes, and, and it's unfortunate for the entire country mm, that kill we all have the lawyers. an election in which uh, there's no positive vision, there's no looking forward. Uh, we have these two candidates who are wildly unpopular with the American people, and uh, voters are going to tune out. But we cannot ignore the threat that Trump constitutes to this country as long as he's in the race and as long as the Republican Party uh, forms this personality cult around him. I mean, what Trump are the threats, video, David? Yeah, David, what are, what are the threats? But let's talk because that's the other thing that that Joe Biden said. He talked about Donald Trump being a threat to democracy. What is the specific threat to democracy of Donald Trump? Well, you open with the question about January 6th. You could just isolate that day. And on that day, Trump showed the four qualities that historians, political scientists routinely associate with autocrats and tyrants. That is the refusal to view political opponents and critics as legitimate, the refusal to honor democratic norms and institutions, most especially the results of an election and the peaceful transfer of power, the tolerance and even encouragement of violence as a political tool. Remember Trump said, remove the metal detectors. They're not there to hurt me. We have to fight like hell. He knew the pr Proud Boys stand by. And then finally, fourth, the willingness to encroach upon the civil rights and liberties of people who oppose him. Hey, it was an insurrection. We define an insurrection as a violent uprising against the government. How come he is? Uh, how come he is? But how come? But how come he has not been prosecuted in that in that manner? He's not been prosecuted by for insurrection anywhere. Right. That's because he didn't commit well, an insurrection. Well, he's being prosecuted for incitement. He's being no, he's prosecuted. Not. Well, but, but, no, but he's, he's not. not. But specifically, if we're talking about yes. if we're talking about the Fourteenth Amendment 
and the basis on, on what the Colorado Supreme Court ruled on, they, they ruled on that specific issue. They, they talked about insurrection, and yet he has not been charged with insurrection. You watched well, it you on TV, have... you think it was. Most of the networks would say it was. But again, I, I, I want to go to, to Professor. Well, let me ask I want to go question to, very quickly. Quickly, very because quickly, I want to go to you, Professor. This gave me a challenge. I'm the only, well, no, I'm, I'm not the only non-lawyer on the panel, Mike Miller, uh, but there are many times where prosecutors, district attorneys, and others bring charges against people that they know are easier to convict than the charge that's going to be a tougher sell to a jury. And I think that's what's happening here. I mean, down in Georgia, you have the phone call, you have the fake electors scheme that Jack Smith is looking at nationally. Those are the easier charges to convict. And then you also have the documents, okay. uh, which is a separate now, matter. Now, let me go, I want to go, I wanna go to, I, I want to go to the aforementioned Mike Miller because he's been standing sure. by. Mike, your response to the question, do you, do you <laughs> see, are Democrats out there trying to destroy democracy? Um, that, yes, um, it's interesting. I, I'm convinced that June, January 6th will be the topic because that is what the press will do for Joe Biden. They will not let the current condition of the economy and, and the border and so forth be the issue. Uh, so because he has nothing in my mind to run on. And David, I really like those four those four things you listed. But think about it, David, you're a very thoughtful man. Who is it that went after our free speech rights? It was the Democrats. Who is it denied the, the, who, the winner of the 2016 election? It was the Democrats. And the other two, they, both of them, the authoritarian view that you talked about is, in, in fact, is kind of infecting both sides. And I, I, I don't like to see what is happening. Uh, but, you know, I fear Mr. Uh, Biden more because of the things he's done, for example, to, to use the power of government to get private corporations to to uh, violate our civil rights. I think that authoritarian action is something Mr. Trump would never do, Absolutely. would never do. Right. And and uh, again, and, and I'm not as big and of a where Trump was that, Mike? In your view, Mike, where was that? In your view, where was that? Where was that? It's everywhere. It's Mike, everywhere. Uh, I want what, to ask the control Mike. of speech? Oh, no, uh, just in terms America. of. Uh, Oh, corporate America in terms of, say, uh, uh, Facebook and, and uh, okay. Twitter, uh, X. How about the case um, in Missouri? So How about the case so in Missouri? Well, let's, in let, Missouri. let's let Mike yeah. respond to the question. Okay. Go ahead, okay. Mike. Yeah. No, Judith is correct in the case in Missouri. So what we have is the, the government is prohibited by the First Amendment from from uh, controlling speech before it's given. You know, we uh, prior, uh, what's prior it called? Restraint. Prior restraint. Prior restraint. Yes, that's prior restraint. The government is also prohibited from using other entities to do what the government wants. And that okay. I'm convinced is what has been done. And I think both of the Schellenberger and Taibbi and so forth, again, gentlemen of the left, not leftists, good, solid, like David, good, solid liberals. Right. These gentlemen have all this evidence that corporate well, America court, has when been we, used when we, when we come back, Judith Sherwin is going to speak when she's called on, and she will be called on. When we come back.
This is Seth Liebson of 960thepatriot.com for townhall.com. The forces of war and evil are exploding everywhere, in the Middle East, in Europe, in Asia, in Africa. One might even call it pandemonium. Our allies are at risk, our enemies, and the enemies of our allies are unrelenting. Add to this, we're looking at an unprecedented free-for-all invasion at our southern border. This election year is looking a lot like 1980. In that campaign, Ronald Reagan said, quote, We know only too well that war comes not when the forces of freedom are strong, but when they are weak. It is then that tyrants are tempted. We simply cannot learn these lessons the hard way again without risking our destruction, close quote. Tragically, we are learning these lessons the hard way. One can only remember where the world was from the Middle East to Europe to Central America in 1980 and imagine the nightmare it could have become were Ronald Reagan not elected. We're getting that same sense right now. President Biden needs to be defeated. I'm Seth Liebson. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Matthew. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. We continue with our first Sunday show of 2024, and we're going to let everybody introduce themselves, and we're going to begin with Mike Miller. Mike, go ahead. Oh, thank you, Bruce. Uh, It's great to be on with you again. Uh, I spent uh, 43 years at DePaul University in Chicago on the economics faculty. I was a department chairman and associate dean, did research on the country of Bahrain, Uh, retired, and three months after I retired, to Washington State, I got an offer to teach at Western Washington University uh, and do just teaching. I don't have to do the, the scholarship and the, mm-hmm. and the uh, committee work. And it's just uh, wonderful because I love teaching. The students out here are wonderful. And so are the Cascades. When, uh, when we come back before this program is over, 
Uh, we're going to ask you about the economy and the impact of uh, where the campaign is vis-a-vis the economy. And we'll do that, which we always tend to do on the first Sunday of every month. Uh, David Masiotra, tell us who you are. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I am an author. I've written several books, uh, including I Am Somebody, Why Jesse Jackson Matters, and my new book uh, coming out in March, Exurbia Now, uh, The Battleground of American Democracy. I should add, Bruce, that uh, Walt Whitman once said, never associate with lawyers and professors. And I also (laughs) teach at Indiana University Northwest. So I don't know what you've done tonight, Bruce. You've got two lawyers, two professors. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and there's been no dead air. Uh, Richard, <laughs> Richard, go ahead. Tell us, everybody, who you are. Uh, I'm a lawyer in Chicago. I've uh, been involved in politics for 34 years, I guess, 35 years. I uh, served in the first Bush administration, first at Treasury, uh, and then uh, for the president, I was a special assistant and ran the Domestic Policy Council, and then I was Dan Quayle's counselor. Um, and uh, I got there in part by uh, studying economics and law at the University of Chicago, which was a great launch place for joining the Republican Party policy circles. Judith Sherwin, tell everybody who you are, and then we're going to ask you a question. So I am also a lawyer in Chicago, and uh, I practice uh, in a lot of anti-government areas, working in healthcare and and some civil rights work. And uh, I also teach at Loyola University. Uh, where I have a bunch of thesis students this semester who I hope are not going to plagiarize their work. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, um, um, yeah, uh, so... And before the break, you wanted to make a point that there are some there's some real hard legal facts that should be put on the record, uh, which, which added to what Professor uh, Miller was saying. Right. Um, So there's a case called Missouri versus Biden, which the Biden administration pretends they don't know anything about and they haven't read it. The Department of Homeland Security never heard about it. But the the court in Missouri, just a federal court in Missouri, and it's been affirmed in the in the circuit court above them, uh, found there's a whole long statement of facts for anybody who'd like to read it, uh, that the government did precisely what they're not allowed to do. Namely, they used private entities to violate the First Amendment rights in outrageous ways, in, in just unbelievable uh, ways uh, that they are not permitted to do. Such and as, did it, well, what, are, what were the ways? Well, the ways were getting in touch with, with Twitter and Facebook and saying, well, you know, this, uh, this tweet here, you know, we think it uh, violates your policies and we think you ought to take it down. Now, if you get a call from the FBI and they say, you know, we think this isn't a great tweet and it violates your policies because it could be violent, it could create problems for the government, it could make people not want to get a vaccine, we think that you should take it down. What do you think people are going to do? What do you think people are going to do when they hear from the FBI? You bet they are. And that's exactly why they do it. And so there's been pages of findings of fact. Okay, the government is dead, dead liability on this issue. The other thing that, that I think uh, really needs to be focused on is that nobody's been charged with insurrection. As a legal matter, no insurrection happened. There was a very unpleasant riot on January 6th. Should never have happened. Uh, it did happen. And, and um, 
you know, we need to move well, on from that. Okay? I want to. I want to. I want to move on by but the going DOJ back. won't let I us move go on. Back, from I want to go back to 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 David just to to follow through on on one aspect. Uh, at the core of much of this debate, David, is uh, what the uh, Justice Department and just say departments of the United States did to try to influence the election last time around when they got over 50 former defense or intelligence experts to sign a letter who said that they believed that the information that was on laptop of Hunter Biden's was Russian disinformation. And by calling Facebook and by calling uh, YouTube and by calling uh, you know Twitter, they got those entities to basically help kill that story which was a story created by the oldest newspaper in the United States, the New York Post. So my question to you is, as a civil libertarian and as a liberal, how, did, how do you feel about that fact about what government did to, in, to, uh, to, to put their fingers on the scale of what the public had a right to know prior to the last time they voted? Well... To answer your question directly, it was wrong. They got the story wrong, and it should not have been suppressed, censored, so on and so forth. Uh, however, I would say that our intelligence agencies have a long track record of getting things wrong. So this wasn't unique I or agree. unprecedented in that respect. I agree. And I would say that the public still did know of that story. The New York Post published it. It wasn't the best story at the time. I'll remind you that the the right one of the writers of the story insisted that they remove her name from the byline because she had such lack of confidence in the research and the supportive evidence of the story. That's not true. But, but the major networks, but the major networks, all helped kill the story. They didn't if you, even if, show you, it. If, if you if you looked at the major newscasts in the two months prior to people voting. They didn't carry a story about this. Right. Hunter Biden right. and, and his I, laptop were persona not in non, non grata in the in the newsrooms of America. Right. They, they kept that information from people voting. And I acknowledge that from the start. However, Good. we're now three years into looking into every crack and no pun intended yes. crevice of Hunter Biden's life, <laughs> and there is no evidence that any wrongdoing of Hunter Biden connects with Joe Biden. <laughs> and yet, and yet, well, there's no evidence. No evidence. There isn't. Oh, my there goodness. Oh, come on. How about nothing except the emails, the bank accounts, the shell companies? You have woke up with the professors, and <laughs> they've all woken up. Uh, and the lawyers. They were. Let's let Mike, Mike Miller, yes. I believe, my, just a minute. Mike Miller, I believe, even though he's from Washington, I think he was laughing the loudest. Mike, okay. we go to you. Yeah. And yet we're just uh, Just Mike. <coughs> Mike. David, go ahead. What were you going to say, David? I, I need oh, to hear I so I can say, and, and yet all of you are defending the madness of Donald Trump. And we'll just take the one case we haven't mentioned yet. After being asked to turn back the government documents of confidential classified material multiple times and refusing to do so, 
They found it in his bathroom. I kind of like the the, uh, the uh, top facilities. secret documents found in the and garage of Joe Biden. Kind of like found Bill Clinton's David, sock drawer. David, David, Come on, well, David, 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 you, David, you woke everybody up. Now let me just mention. I want to go. I want to go to Mike Miller, who was kind enough to yield so to you, and and you stand by now. We'll come back to you, but Mike Miller, you wanted to uh, challenge some of the things that David, David had to say, I, or his interpretation I, of I wish, history. I wish you were right. I, I do not want the President of the United States to be involved in such things. And I even one time said, you know, if Joe Biden had run in 2016, he would have been President in 2016. That's he would have right. beat Trump. That is true. That, that, uh, I yeah, agree I'm, with that. I'm convinced of that. And I often used to say, if I could have a pizza and a beer with anybody, uh, it would be Joe Biden. I, I bought the whole thing that he was this naive and, and bumpkin guy. And and I'm convinced that there is Biden in ink. David, the number of, of checks being written, the shell corporations being created by the entire family. And it's my understanding, I'm not a lawyer. It's my understanding, however, to be approved, to be accused of bribery. You yourself do not have to have received anything of benefit. It can be something like your family members right. use your name to to bring about some kind of an outcome. David, I I, I don't want it to be that way. Again, I I, can, I I want you to believe that. I don't want the president to go down because it's an embarrassment to the country. Right. And I'm you convinced unfortunately that joe biden is is dirty okay. he's corrupt richard, richard has a comment and then richard has a comment and richard and then judy richard and, and i think that you have to recognize that what the irs does often is they'll look at someone's spending and they'll, the spending will be much higher than their income mm -hmm. and they'll start going from there and they'll figure out okay how are they getting the money and where is it coming from joe biden's spending uh, his wealth is far exceeding what it should be based on the fact he'd been a public servant since 1972. So the idea that there wasn't corruption, there wasn't payoffs, is just preposterous. There's plenty of evidence right there staring you straight in the face. Uh, and oh, by the way, uh, the, the purpose of the impeachment proceeding is to assure that the Congress can obtain the bank records necessary to back this up, because now they can enforce the subpoenas themselves. They don't have to count on Joe Biden's Justice Department to enforce a subpoena right. against Joe Biden's bank accounts. That's right. When we come back, Judith, I don't want to interrupt you, so I'm not okay. even going to let you start. But when we come back, we're going to hear Judith and, and her reaction to that. And again, keep in mind that, uh, you know, all these 50 former intelligence officers uh, that lied through their teeth and signed that letter, uh, many of them, many of them have been put on the payroll of America's news media. They become the experts. You want to know what's going on? Let's go to MSNBC and ask James Clapper. He'll tell the truth. Bull crap, he will. Back shortly. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're looking outside of big corporate control. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something worth watching. The new Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. SNC is home to Dennis Prager, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Watch anytime on any screen, free 24-7. Find what you're looking for at snc.tv. You're smart, you're busy, and don't have time to waste on the mainstream media cycle. Salem News Channel. 
breaks that cycle. Topics that matter from hosts worth watching. Dinesh D'Souza, Andrew Wilkow, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. Salem News Channel, not like the other guys. Watch anytime on any screen, free, 24-7. Find everything you need to know at snc.tv. That's snc.tv. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. (laughs) So take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably... Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Bruce went back, and uh, Judith, you wanted to make a comment before the break, so go ahead. Yeah, um, this question of there's no evidence. I mean, I hear this every day on, on uh, MSNBC, CNN, if I happen to watch them, which I do not so often. There's no evidence. There's a great deal of evidence, all right? And it's, you know, but they do have a lot of bank records. They want to get more, and they're having trouble enforcing the subpoenas. But a number of the banks who they have subpoenaed have just given over the evidence. They have evidence. It's very clear. There's money coming from places. There's no explanation. The Biden family doesn't do anything. Uh, You have Tony Bobulinski saying we were selling the Biden brand. What is that? That's bribery. Okay, so bad news. But there are other ways. I mean, it's a complicated case. Um, Most I've I've spoken with a number of of prosecutors about money laundering. There's very clearly money laundering going on here. However, there's something else going on here with Joe Biden, which which is a very simple, actually, um, count that should be added to the impeachment inquiry, namely a failure to execute the laws of the United States. All right. His Department of Homeland Security, under his direction as part of the executive branch, is not 
executing the laws of this country with respect to immigration. You see it every day. They and it's and you know I mean people aren't happy because uh, Greg Abbott is sending all these people up here. Well, you know the rest of the country could close their eyes and pretend it's not happening. You can't pretend it's not happening now when you drive into Whole Foods and there are people at every entrance, you know, who are living on the grass there and asking you for money. So um, the failure to do execute you believe, and do you believe? Do you believe you've made your point? Right. Do you believe that that moving forward with an impeachment is the best political thing to do, or could it make do to make Joe Biden a sympathetic figure to some? He's only a sympathetic figure to the people who currently talk about, well, it might oh, be, he's a victim of his love but for it, his son. But it might be 75, 80 million people. Richard, what do you think? Is I, it politically a wise investment of time to go for an impeachment when Election Day is just a few months away? So I draw a distinction between the, the uh, investigation of the activity and laying out before the public the information that's obtained through the enforcement of those subpoenas and then building the case. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they actually go and vote for an impeachment, uh, I think is, uh, you know, we'll wait and see what the evidence is. But I think the most important thing in an election year is to put before the American people the information that's available about who Joe Biden is and how he's lived his life. A lot like how I see the issue with, with Donald Trump. Let the people decide on this. Uh, and the impeachment proceedings are a procedure for making sure the American people understand uh, how Joe Biden's finances have developed. That's We're going right. to go to calls. We're going to go to Joy in San Diego, California. Go ahead, Joy. Um, I just was going to mention briefly before I give my comment, but they knew about Hunter during the Trump administration. They could have moved towards Biden during the time when they held the reins, so to speak. But that's not why I called. Um, I think it seems like comments about um, a threat to democracy from the Democrat, Democrats was somewhat specifically dismissed. And I think for many of us on the progressive side, it's really a true worry, uh, both now and if Trump was reelected. Um, and I think a lot of it goes towards the... Um, the goal to dismantle all government agencies and departments. They need improvement, but not dismantlement. And also for civil rights, all people are created equal. It's very frightening to us to see what's happening in many areas towards minorities, towards the LGBTQ community. What's happening towards them? Yeah, what's happening? What's happening towards them, Joy? All the trans. The, Trans, there are so many laws that just do not make sense. You listen to some of the people who speak on the radio, and it is pure hate coming through. A trans person is going to be the end of Western civilization. Um, or um, Well, it certainly dominates the news. You can't say that it doesn't dominate yeah. the news. The last, the way the, last the, the, way the, the, way the, the the way the news media plays this story, it. it's I like eighty percent of the people dealing with trans issues. Right, and the last six mass shootings were conducted yeah, well, by trans people. No, that is not true. Okay, that's like there's no evidence for Joe Biden. 
It's okay. The, the, oh, there's there's been five. There's been five identified in the last so many years. Look at the overall gun violence statistics. Trans people have been maybe 0.01% of mass shootings. And these rumors... Point oh one percent of the population. So. Well, go ahead, no, David. Was that you, Joy, uh, Yes, David. David is the last word. Uh, Joy, thanks very much, David. You get the last word on this. Joy makes one point that we should follow up on. Trump is brazenly advertising what he would do with his next term in office. Now, I would ask the guests, how would you react? If Joe Biden said that on the day of his inauguration, he would invoke the Insurrection Act to go after protesters, how would you react if he said that he was going to try to take away the broadcast license from Fox News? And how would you react if he said he was going to destroy the civil service and make all government employees take loyalty oaths to him? That's what Donald Trump has said, and that language is currently on his website. So I wish that we were talking about the border and the economy. And guess what? We would be if the Republicans were nominating anyone else. But instead, they've decided to organize around this lunatic who cares nothing about the country, the Constitution. He said we should dismantle the Constitution. His words, not mine. David, and that's why our politics is stand so dysfunctional. By, David, right now. stand by. We're going to talk about those issues in the next hour. And we have one person who's on the program this evening who thinks that Donald Trump is a good president, wants him back again. I don't think she thinks he's a lunatic like you do, but I know a lot of people do believe he's a lunatic. But we've got some people on the program this evening who disagree with you. I'm Bruce Dumont, back for another full hour as we discuss campaign 2024 on Beyond the Beltway. Bruce Dumont, we continue with hour number two of Beyond the Beltway this evening. Wherever you're listening from coast to coast, nice to have you with us. Uh, Mike Miller is here. He is an economist from Western Washington University. Richard Porter is here. He is the Illinois Republican committeeman and has been for the last decade. Judith Sherwin is a pro-Trump conservative Republican attorney. And David Massiotra is with us. He is a liberal Democrat. But I want to ask one question to you, David, because you do not like or answer to the tune or identity as progressive. You don't like the use of the term progressive. Why? That's correct. Uh, I joined Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania in distancing myself from that term and asking that people not associate me with it. There are several reasons, uh, but you know, for the sake of time, I'll just give the straw that broke the camel's back, and that is the progressive tolerance and in some cases, outright encouragement and celebration of anti-Semitism since October 7th. So, uh, you know, I'm proud to be called a liberal. I'm a Democrat. But uh, as I wrote in an essay for the ball work, uh, I will no longer stand aside progressives as long as they continue to stand aside anti-Semites and anti-Semitism more broadly. Judith Sherwin, that's uh, music to your ears. 
I well, I, yeah. I mean, I I commend you. Um, I I don't know that that's the entire progressive movement, but I think that uh, the far left in this country has lost their mind when it comes to this stuff, and um, I'm horrified at what has happened since mm-hmm. October seventh. And uh, it's good to hear that. Okay, we're going to go back to calls. David, listening to us in San Francisco. David, go ahead. Yeah, Happy New Year, Bruce, and happy your New guests. Year to you. you know, when I was in kindergarten, I was taught that if Jimmy did something, it's not okay for Johnny to do it. So yep. this so-called uh, argument about whether or not Trump committed crimes and then immediately jumping on Joe Biden, that's a Jimmy, Jimmy did it so Johnny can do it issue. That's about as lame as you can get. And to hear that a top lawyer in Chicago is pretending that that's a valid argument, Donald Trump has stolen property from the U.S. Uh, taxpayers. It didn't matter if it was top secret or if it was Betsy Ross's knitting needles. He took our stuff and he's dragging on a case that should be as simple as as, uh, property theft. And what's even worse, when you get into these uh, documents in Mar-a-Lago, He's giving top secret uh, uh, clearance, security clearance to a whole pack of lawyers, and they're going through every different item uh, Mm -hmm. to determine their top secrecy uh, value as opposed to simply being the property of the U.S. government. Okay, and, I think, though, that there's a, so there's a, yeah, you may have a, a mistake there. So, David, the, David, let's let Richard respond, then we'll go back to you. But, David, go to you, go to you first. So the Presidential Records Act was... Uh, Richard, by the way, this is yeah, Richard Porter. It was yeah. passed in the 1970s, uh, and it's built around the concept that the president has a property interest in the documents of his administration. Right. That's why you see for every president uh, that they actually have libraries and they are in their possession in those libraries and managed um, by, the, uh, by the government agency that's responsible for this, the archivists. And so the issue you have with Trump really isn't that he took something that wasn't his. Those are actually his documents. And, for example, Obama's documents are in a strip mall in the Chicagoland area. you got you know, tens of thousands of documents there. The issue is the management of the uh, clearance of those documents. And, again, the one person who can, you know, just by thinking about it or by expressing the view can, can declassify something is the president of the United States. The president is not bound by the classification. He can declassify it just by his actions. So, uh, you know, I think we'll have to see how that case develops. But the issue in that case is not a property issue. The issue is uh, what was the standard of whether or not those things were actually declassified and whether they're properly handled. David in San Francisco, last word to you. Go ahead. Well, there's a lot of hokum to what was just said, because uh, Donald Trump also had down there a whole bunch of ancient uh, uh, Israeli artifacts. Uh, if I remember right, they were oil burners, and he hid them for, uh, for years as well. So the guy is an outright thief. And, uh, and again, these were our property. David, well, David, 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 let me stop you. Last word to you, but I want you. I want you to answer this question, because you represent, you represent your your position represents about seventy five or eighty million people in this country. I, I mean, so. people that do not want Donald Trump 
to be reelected. I think I could honestly say you don't want him reelected. Now, my question to you is, if, if Donald Trump is reelected, how will you react? As I would if a thief got into position of power. If you go into the history of Donald Trump from the very beginning, he was a thief. Why, David, 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 listen, and I'm going to give you one more chance to answer the question. If 75 to 80 million people might believe David might believe uh, Donald Trump and 75 or 80 million people might believe Joe Biden. If Joe Biden beats Donald Trump, how are you going to feel? What do, what do you say to the 75, well, what do you say to the 75 million people who, who think that Donald Trump is brilliant? What well, do you say personally, to them? Personally, I don't believe that uh, he's going to win the election. So uh, that's a dubious uh, question. It's not, a du- it. it's not a dubious <laughs> question, but listen, it's not a dubious question, but you're from San Francisco, so I think I know where your politics are coming from. Thank you for calling. I know you're a regular listener. Thank you for calling tonight. Now, my question to the rest of our discussion this evening is the future of the Republican Party. We are debating it right now. I asked the question at the beginning of the program. And uh, I want to begin with you, uh, Mike Miller, because I know where our guests in studio stand on this issue. But do you have a favorite as to who you would like to be the nominee of the party this year? Because I would like things to get done, um, I would prefer that Ron DeSantis be the nominee. Okay, (laughs) That's right. Because I'm convinced that when Mr. Trump does win, and I think that he has a very good chance of winning, um, that he will be um, tied up in uh, problems in the ent- for the entire four years. The left, the media, everyone will go to whatever lengths necessary to allow him to do nothing. Uh, that was pretty much true during his first four years. I, I, I very much support many of Mr. Trump's uh, positions. I like America first. I, I like uh, even he even has me convinced that maybe the uh, the trade deals that he came up with against China were a good idea. Uh, they weren't economically, but they were politically. Okay. Uh, I, I get no. Mr. Trump. Thank you. But I want Mr. Uh, I want the governor to be the, uh, the governor nominee. DeSantis. When we come back, we're going to hear from our other guests and how they feel. They differ. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly. As a local business owner, you get called every week by marketing companies. We get it. We have hundreds of satisfied customers. Here's what a satisfied client recently said. Open enrollment is going great. We're hitting record numbers. Thank you so much for this report. It really is amazing to see how the marketing is really shaping our enrollment around the city. If you're a local business and ready for the next step, visit surroundchicago.com right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Visit surroundchicago.com today. Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs> 
<laughs> Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back on the air, and uh, we are now going to go to Richard Porter uh, because he has an opinion as to who he would like to be president of the United States. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Mr. Miller. I, I think that DeSantis would be by far the finest president we could get out of our field. I think he's a man that's demonstrated in Florida an ability to get things done in a way that's kind of shocking. I mean, just how they got that the bridge built in two days after the hurricane blew it out, to me, epitomizes a man who's able to get things done. He has a very you know, clear conservative vision. Uh, I think he offers us an opportunity to achieve some real change in Washington, D.C. if we can you know, rally around him as an alternative. You get the benefits of the Trump policy without all the drawbacks of Donald Trump's behavior. Now, Judith Sherwin, mm-hmm. tell us why you're for Donald Trump. Because well, you, are the, you are the only identified Trump supporter on the panel this evening. I see that. Um, but, uh, well, let me say this about Ron DeSantis. I, I agree he did, he did like miraculous work after the hurricane. But everybody wanted him to do that miraculous work. I don't see that Ron DeSantis can withstand the kind of hurricane that would be directed in his direction should Trump disappear off the face of the earth tomorrow? And God, I hope he doesn't, because 
I don't think that there is anybody who has the strength to be able to deal with what's going on in Washington. I think that when Trump first came into office, he tried to accommodate what he was doing with what he calls the deep state. Okay, They weren't going to have it. He had people who were absolutely opposing him every place, even the ones he put into office. It took him at least two years to get rid of all of that and to figure it out. It's a learning curve, okay? But the guy is very bright. So you don't think it will happen again? I do not. I think that he knows what he wants. I think he knows how to get it. I think he knows who he can use to help him. Uh, you know, he went through those first four Are years. Are you worried? And he aco- well, let me finish, Bruce. Okay. Since he accomplished a lot of things with all of that stuff going on. Okay. I agree. And so, you know, he, it's going to go on again. There's no question. Are you but, worried that he will spend more time on defense than on offense? No, I'm not. Uh, this guy is, is I think, you know, they talk about him like he's three-dimensional chess and all that stuff. He's a very bright guy, okay? And people don't want to agree with that. Oh, you know, his vocabulary isn't very good, and he makes all these grammatical errors and spelling errors. I mean, I think, quite frankly, he does that on purpose, okay? He is a very bright man. He didn't build that company by being stupid, okay? So he, it took him a while. He saw government from the outside. Okay. He knew how to I, deal with it get, from the I'm outside. A, get, now he knows how to deal with it from the inside. I would say, I do think it's clear he, he is a brilliant guy. He has a, he's a masterful uh, touch with, with people. Uh, I think he's got charisma. Uh, I think he's learned a lot. Um, I think he didn't, you know, he didn't learn enough in the first you know, three years to clear out his NSC, for example, that was filled with people that were filled with Trump derangement syndrome. That's mm-hmm. the reason why he was impeached. Right. And, um, you know, I think that they need to act in a way recognizing that the people that oppose him are kind of crazy. And so right. okay. we have heard from I agree with three guests who've all said who they would like as the Republican nominee. I want to turn to David Masiotra, David. And my question to you is, of all the potential Democratic nominees... Who is your preferred nominee for president this year? You mean the declared ones or all of some them. imagining were imagining? All of them. Well, I, I wish that Joe Biden was not running for re-election. Okay. Uh, I would like to see a Democratic primary with candidates like Governor Whitmer of Michigan, Governor Bashar of Kentucky. Uh, some of these governors who... Uh, are in purple states, or in Bashar's case, a, a red state, and have managed to uh, build a great resume of achievement and uh, attract support from a diversity of voters, uh, and, not, and not just racial diversity, but I mean ideological uh, diversity. Uh, and they're both younger, and they both have fresh ideas, and they're vibrant. And I think that potentially in 2028, uh, we can see a, a great uh, presidential race for this wonderful country because we'll have young candidates on both sides and we can get out of this trap of debating Trump and the documents and January 6th and all of this nonsense. Is, is, it's is, important to is the president not, Is the president's age the thing that concerns you the most? 
I, I don't know if it's what concerns me the most. He does appear frail, uh, comparing the way he looks now to the way he looked three, four years ago is quite a shock. Uh, and it's a little alarming. Uh, I just, I, he's an average president. He doesn't have a sense of the electorate. He doesn't have the support of many people, even in his own party. And on many important issues, he's failed to lead. Uh, that being said, obviously, as everyone could gather from my comments tonight, if the contest is between him and Donald Trump, I will cast a vote for Joe Biden. And where would you put Kamala Harris in the list of uh, would-be presidents? I don't have any objections to Kamala Harris. Uh, you know, she's become this uh, pinata that everybody likes to beat up on, but she hasn't had much of a role in the Biden administration. So it's really hard to evaluate her performance as vice president in that regard. She could use some improvement in her communication skills. Uh, but as we have seen with President George W. Bush, uh, President Donald Trump and President Joe Biden, uh, having a Kennedy-esque mastery of oratory is not a prerequisite uh, for performing competently as president. So uh, I would be open to considering her if we had this imaginary hypothetical world where she was mm -hmm. a contender in a robust primary. To our Republicans, we have not talked about Nikki Haley. She's uh, apparently doing very well in, uh, in New Hampshire, and uh, we'll see how well she does in Iowa. But go back to you, Mike Miller. Uh, you're for DeSantis, but uh, what grades would you give uh, Nikki Haley? Um, boy, you know, that's tough because I, I just... She, I don't want to say she sounds terrible. She's a zero to me. I, I just don't quite get her. Uh, um, I, I do not want her to be the uh, the nominee for the department for the department for the uh, presidency for presidency. the party. Um, now, if it were between her and Joe Biden, I you know just like he yeah. said it was you know Joe Biden versus Trump, he would go with uh, Biden. I would. I would go with Haley, but I see her as establishment. I think she's, uh, uh, unlike Mr. Trump, I don't think she's as much a America first. I think she is more willing to embrace war than Mr. Trump is. Mr. Trump's going to try to find solutions before we go to war. Um, so I'm, I I'm, just, get I'm not a fan. Richard Porter, your your response to uh, I, Nikki I, Haley as a candidate. I think Nikki's terrific. I, I you know, I but I, I view her as being less... Um, passionately conservative, uh, intellectually conservative, as DeSantis is. So I think she would get less done in terms of changing the government. But I think, um, you know, as a candidate, uh, she's, she's a delightful person. She's had some terrific experiences. And I think it's exciting to see her in the top tier. I just happen to think DeSantis would uh, end up being a better president. And that's why I backed DeSantis. So Judy far. Sherwin, could... Judy Sherwin, your thoughts? I think uh, Nikki Haley would be... Uh, a, a catastrophe as as president. I Why? think it would be well. I think it would be a return to the the neocon. Let's go run off and fight a bunch of wars. Uh, let's let's uh, let's interfere over here. Let's interfere over there. I mean, let's. I mean, look, uh, Vivek, who nobody talks about, um, who's quite exciting. Maybe a few years down the road, um, she left. She left government you know, basically a pauper, and now she's a millionaire because she's serving on 
the boards of all these military industrial complex companies. She's got definitely a warmonger. I won't call her a warmonger, but she definitely doesn't seem to have a problem with war, okay? okay, and and playing with the toys that the people that she's worked for would like to play with. So I, I don't want to see her as president. Okay. I also don't think she has the strength to withstand the onslaught. Okay, we've got uh, David uh, Masiota, you're waving your hand. You want to jump in on this uh, assessment of Nikki Haley? I was just going to say that, uh, and perhaps this will doom Nikki Haley's chances if she receives a compliment from, from me on this panel. But uh, she's an immensely uh, impressive candidate. And speaking as a Democrat, if she was the Republican nominee, uh, I would be convinced that Joe Biden would lose, that she, she would probably win handily against Joe Biden. Uh, well, the polls that doesn't mean that. everyone should support her, but I mean, I, that's just interesting challenge to put to the Republicans. Yeah. Well, the big question that I think, uh, you know, when we get to that is what happens if Donald Trump doesn't get the nomination? What happens to the Trumpsters? Where do they go? Do they go to DeSantis? Do they go, do they go to another person? Does Donald Trump go to a third party effort? What does he do? Because I agree with you, I, I think there's been a, a lot of certainly love lost between uh, Donald Trump and, and DeSantis, probably less so with Nikki Haley, although that's increasing. And uh, uh, I think Vem, Vivek Ramaswamy may be a little bit too young to be the running mate. But I think if you ask Donald Trump in his, if you had to ask him straight, I think he'd say he'd love, he'd love Vivek Ramaswamy as a running mate. But it might be. Uh, too much for the electorate to, uh, to swallow. I'm Bruce Dubon, back shortly from Chicago. Don't miss the new movie by Dinesh D'Souza, Police State. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech! Migrant Republicans threaten the very foundation of our republic. Are we becoming a police state? The government is trying to crush the conservative movement, our society, and our freedoms. They define you as radical. How did we give the state this kind of power? If they're coming for me, they're coming for you. Police State. Buy it or stream it now at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. If you're a local business and want to see what Salem Surround can do for you, visit surroundchicago.com. Remember to visit surroundchicago.com today. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. 
Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Bruce, come on back. And uh, Richard Porter, who's the Republican National Committeeman from Illinois, he has some news about Vivek in Illinois. So Vivek did not file the paperwork necessary to qualify to be on the ballot in the Illinois primary, uh, which I think is a significant fact. Illinois is a major state. Uh, and it just says he's taking a pass on this primary. I don't, I don't know how you can be a national candidate and not be on Illinois' ballot. Uh, so, Do you know, because Illinois, there's other states in addition to Illinois, on the 19th of March. Do you know whether he's filed in any of the other states? I don't know. Uh, Illinois has a high bar in terms of the number of signatures you need to obtain on the petitions in order to qualify. It's one of the hardest states in the union to qualify. How come? Um, Pardon me? How come? Because the the number of of signatures you need to obtain uh, in the petitions. It's just there's more um, work to be done. And plus, the law in Illinois, not surprisingly, being a machine state, is very arcane, very technical. The smallest little error can cause a petition to be disqualified. Mm-hmm. So it really benefits people that are in uh, the profession full time because they know the tricks of the trade. They know what mistakes can't be made. If someone comes from the outside and tries to get onto a, a ballot here, they need to hire a lawyer and they need to understand how hard it is and how careful you have to be in order to qualify. Right. Is everybody else qualified? Uh, so, so far, uh, so far be challenged, perhaps. The, the other folks that filed are Trump, DeSantis. They filed full slates of 102 delegates and alternate delegates. Um, uh, Nikki Haley filed, but she was about 15 alternate delegates short. So she filed with something like 87 um, uh, people on the ballots. And the way it works in Illinois, you have a beauty contest at the top where you pick the name of the president you'd like to choose. And then you vote for actual delegates on a congressional district by congressional district basis. And there are, uh, on the ballot in Illinois, there are three delegates um, spots for each congressional district and three alternate delegates. Uh, And then there'll be 10 or 12 that are chosen at our state convention later in May. And that's usually going to the person that wins the beauty contest. What's happening to Chris Christie? Christie also filed, thank you, for uh, he filed just under the deadline. 
people have not looked at his petitions yet. I don't. He did not have a full slate of delegates and alternates, uh, and I think that he's probably the most vulnerable if people start challenging the delegates. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, does he have a future in the party, or is he is he pretty much the turd in the punch bowl? Well, I mean, look, I mean, I think Chris Chris has had, you know, a long and interesting career. Uh, you know, he's a successful prosecutor, obviously a successful governor, ran into a scandal at the end. He was the first candidate last time to endorse uh, Donald Trump. What people don't often know is that Chris Christie put um, Donald Trump's son-in-law's father In jail. into jail. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Chris was offered the vice presidency by Donald Trump. Um, and then his children engineered a meeting with Mike Pence. Uh, they told him his plane was broken down, so he was forced to stay in Indianapolis overnight and have breakfast with him again. They had both a dinner and a breakfast because the plane was disabled. Um, and uh, they convinced him to go with Mike Pence instead. And so then Trump put him in charge of the uh, transition. And then when he won, he threw him off the transition. So you have a lot of bad blood between Chris Christie and Donald Trump on a personal basis, in part because... Uh, Trump's son-in-law, uh, Jared Kushner, Jared Kushner <laughs> is not a fan. Um, so, I think Chris Christie will, you know, rise again in some other way, in some other fashion, and just see how the party develops. You know, he could also go back, obviously, to uh, to be part of the panel on ABC. Uh, which, by the way, I you know I watch a little bit of NBC, a little bit of CBS, a little bit of ABC, uh, and a little bit of Fox, and a little bit of CNN. Uh, I have to say that that ABC which in my view at one time was, I think they were ahead of NBC and CBS when it came, when it came to fairness. Mm-hmm. I don't think that anymore. I think that uh, the fact that, uh, uh, that they've got uh, you know, people on the air who were so, like Jonathan Martin, I mean, they are so, Jonathan Carl. Jonathan right? Carl. Jonathan Carl, is, he's, written a, he's written two anti-Trump books. And yet, every time the book comes out, it's a big splash on C on on ABC. They make a big deal of it. Now he now he goes and gets women that think that uh, Trump uh, acted improperly on January sixth. He made a big deal of that. It seems to me that if you're watching ABC, you're going to get Jonathan Carl's perspective, which really I don't think is based on journalism accuracy, or fairness, and and primarily on fairness. So I, I used to be a big fan of ABC at the network level. I'm not anymore, primarily because, not because of George Stephanopoulos. I think he, although he, he, he showed his, you know, credentials here, you know, today in talking about Tennessee or uh, Texas uh, uh, representative Tony Gonzalez, he really pushed him uh, pretty hardly. But I do believe that, uh, that the way that Jonathan Carl uh, treats uh, the Trump campaign and covering campaign 2024 is is really a disgrace. It's a disgrace to ABC. He should be spoken to, as they say. Who's going to speak to him? I mean, they've got Trump deranged. Well, Bob, I, I mean, I mean Bob, but some someone should should objectively, if they can do that, sit down and say, "Listen, here's our newscast. Uh, is there something is there something fishy about having someone who's written?" Two anti-Trump books. Who is your political guy who's on Sunday morning offering an assessment on the Trump campaign, and he's offering field reports during the week on ABC Network News? It's the same guy. 
And it, I just think that it is, it's, it's egregious. It's more egregious than what NBC and even It's what almost CBS worse does. than MSNBC in some ways. Well, you know what? I must say I don't watch MSNBC, so I can't say. And I don't watch CNN uh, very often as well. It's pretty hard to, pretty hard to stick with it. Right. Let's go to uh, Edward in Tampa, Florida. Joins us. Go ahead, Tampa. You're on the air. Edward, are you there? Gary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, are you there? Uh, yes, I am. Can you hear me? Go ahead, Gary. You're on the air. Uh, yeah, I was just calling about the statements that uh, uh, Gov- Governor Haley made about the Civil War. I thought the uproar was ridiculous. But I'm kind of shocked that nobody has identified the person who asked the question. I can't believe he was in the middle of a bunch of reporters and nobody knows who this person is. He seemed like an obvious plant to me, but I don't really know. I just would like to know who asked this question and who was so I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that question, and I, I do believe it was from a, 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 a voter, not from a reporter. Right. That doesn't sound like a question that a reporter would ask. I don't even know what the I don't really know what the question was. Well, the question basically: What were the causes of the Civil War? Um, and she listed them primarily I as a states' rights challenge, yeah. not as uh, not as slavery. But again, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it seems to me that that uh, Nikki Haley, given the fact that she's the former governor of South Carolina, Fort uh, Sumner, Fort Sumner, yeah, yeah, that that uh, <laughs> that might have also, something to do with yeah. the answer, and, and also the only politician who had the courage to stand up and say, let's take down the, the Confederate flag. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a profile in courage. And also uh, the way that she responded to the church shootings in, in Charleston. Mm-hmm. That, was the o- that was the only um, black-on-white crime of that year, as I recall, that didn't result in some sort of racial animus and rioting because she handled it with dignity uh, she brought the uh, all the the uh, the victims' uh, parents and family together, and uh, they were all basically on the side of uh, Governor Haley as she was trying to console well, what was going on in the in the in the field. And she was a Southern governor that uh, stood up and did that. David, does she get a profile in courage for that? Yes, I agree, and I actually tell that story in my book. Forgive the shameless plug. That's but, okay. Uh, Jesse Jackson is originally from Greenville, South Carolina, and she brought him in as an advisor during the Confederate flag kerfuffle and the aftermath of the the Dylan Roof uh, shooting. Mm -hmm. And I was actually in his office interviewing him once when she called him on the phone, uh, and he had very nice things to say about her uh, on those issues, although they disagreed on many other issues. I would say that to the caller suggesting that the, the questioner about the Civil War was a plant uh, this is dangerous. Uh, I, I've seen this uh, a societal societal metamorphosis recently, in that we've gone from too much gullibility. About 20 years ago, people believed anything the government told them, anything the mainstream media reported, to now this conspiratorial mindset, this paranoia, in which everything's a plot or a plant, and that undermines faith and trust in institutions and in each other. And uh, anyone who has studied democracy for a minute knows that some modicum of faith and trust and institutions and each other is important for the long-term survival I agree. of the democratic system. I agree very much. And that's why, you know, as someone who, who said uh, admittedly for, for decades, 
I, I gave great credit to ABC News. I thought ABC News was light years ahead of everybody else insofar as the fairness and balance. It was the early uh, days when uh, uh, when uh, George Will was a regular participant. I think that was a political decision that ABC News made, and it gave them an edge. It gave them an edge with conservative uh, voters and and uh, and even even political pundits. But I'm just saying is that in recent years. Uh, or in recent, yeah, recent years, I would just say that I think Jonathan Carl of ABC, at the network level, he uses his personal animosity against Donald Trump in the writing of books and in the selection of stories about the campaign. I don't think he's fair. I don't think he's balanced. And I don't think he should be on ABC as their prime political guy. That's my opinion. Other than that, oh. he looks, he looks, he looks <laughs> good. Great. All right. On that note, we're going to. No, I wasn't. Uh, Go ahead. I wasn't accusing you of having that mindset. I was oh, accusing no, no, no. the caller who said that the, oh, no, no. the question was a plan. No, I, yeah. I I understood that you you were not accusing okay. me. Uh, that would be obviously uh, heresy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> heresy from the guest. No, not. I'm only kidding. I'm Bruce Dumont. Shortly from Chicago. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. If you're a local business and want to see what Salem Surround can do for you, visit surroundchicago.com. Remember to visit surroundchicago.com today. Don't miss the new movie by Dinesh D'Souza, Police State. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech! Migrant Republicans threaten the very foundation of our republic. Are we becoming a police state? The government is trying to crush the conservative movement, our society, and our freedoms. They define you as radical. How did we give the state this kind of power? If they're coming for me, they're coming for you. Police State. Buy it or stream it now at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. 
Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Mr. Mont, back in our last segment of our broadcast this evening, and uh, Mike Miller, I want to go to you because I mentioned that uh, your frequent visit to this program on the first Sunday of every month really focuses on the the big economic stories of of the past month. And so, as we begin 2024, what would your assessment of the economy uh, be? Where, where is it strong? Where is it weak? Yep. Thank you, uh, Bruce. That's a great in, uh, intro. Um, you know, what's interesting is that Joe Biden, he came up uh, as a response to mag maganomics. He wanted to, uh, or Trumponomics, he came up with Bidenomics. And he was convinced he could sell us that he has created this wonderful economy. And, you know, what's interesting is if you look at it through the eyes of uh, unemployment, we have full employment. So unemployment's not an issue. If you look at, at, at the number of jobs created, there's enough jobs being created that matches the demographic change of the U.S., which is a great thing. And also, if you look at it in terms of the growth of gross domestic product, it's right at potential or higher than potential, which is a really good thing. So you would wonder, why is it that Americans so have almost across the board, including Democrats, rejected his, his portrayal of the economy as being so good. And some folks at the St. Louis Fed were trying to figure out what explains why the consumer confidence numbers are as low as they were, especially they were lower at the end of the uh, pandemic than any time in the history that they've been keeping these data. And it all comes down to, of all things, real income, your income adjusted for uh, inflation. And here's the big thing. In the... Um, in the three years since Biden took office, I did these calculations last night, average weekly earnings of Americans adjusted for inflation have fallen 5%. In the last three years of the Trump administration, they rose 8.4%. People were used to getting raises that actually meant something. Now they're getting raises that don't mean anything because of inflation. Inflation under Biden uh, since 2021 has been a, a cumulative 17.2%. So everything is up 17% overall. Under Mr. Trump, in his last three years, it was only 5.5. So people were used to a little inflation. They did not like a lot of inflation. So let me just under, uh, let me ask you a quick follow-up question, Mike. Sure. You said that there's, 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 there's three good things that Biden, the numbers are pretty good for Biden. So is it a matter yeah. of just oh, sure. he is it is a matter is he's not selling it right because you say there's there uh, is positive news I, w I would is I would assess that is there's positive news that Joe Biden would be selling to the American people but they're not buying it but he but here's the problem when the president tells you that things are going well 
and in fact, economically, in terms of certain areas, they are. But when you get your paycheck and you go to the store and you can't buy as much as you did before, that's what matters to you. Right. That, uh, 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 Bruce, that's what these economists at uh, the St. Louis Fed found. These other matters, your real income falling outweighs everything else. And then one other thing, there is the price of gasoline. Now, it should never be as important as it is. It is a vet relatively small part of everybody's budget. But Americans see gasoline prices in their faces every single day, and it matters to them. <clears throat> and under Mr. Biden, uh, under Mr. Uh, uh, Trump in his last three years, the price of gasoline essentially went between 246 and 256. Ten cent difference, almost no change over the whole time. With about under ten, Mr. With Biden, about, go ahead. Currently, currently uh, the price in January 2021 was 246. The price now. I looked it up last night. Three oh nine across the country. We've got about That's ten. We've got. We've got. We've got, we've got, to, we've got to go. We've got about ten months left now. Okay. Look into your crystal ball and tell us the the highs and lows. What, what's this? What's this road going to look like when we get together on the first Sunday in November? I think that the economy has a. A relatively bright outlook. It looks like has achieved what is called a soft landing. That the economy is going to uh, get rid of some of the, the worst of the inflation without a recession. Uh, I think unemployment will be a little bit higher. Uh, I, I think GDP will be growing. Uh, so there'd be no reason that Mr. Biden can't say I I created some of this. Though he has nothing to do with it, no president does. Uh, but the problem, of course, if he does nothing about the border. If if the inflation does begin to spike up again and our real wages don't keep up, he can say everything he wants. But if when you and I go to the store and we see high prices and we can't buy as much as we used to, Americans are going to be but what I'm hearing, going to take. What I'm hearing him. you say, Mike, is, though, there is the opportunity for him to uh, to sing a happy song in November. Yes, I believe if he, if he knows how okay. to package it right, there's some positive things that are not just uh, uh, B.S., that's well, how is he going to make the uh, prices come down? I mean, he can't he, do that. He can't. He That's, can't. No, the Isn't trouble is he can't make them come down. He all he's done is he. Well, it's actually the Fed has gotten the rate of increase to 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 fall. Uh, but those high prices is what people you know when they look and they see a box of cereal and it just costs so much. Yeah. This is what people are responding to. Not that the fact that unemployment is at full employment and GDP is at potential. I mean, it doesn't respond- matter if you if you're at full employment if you don't make enough money to go to the grocery store and buy what that's, you bought last Judy, week. That's that's yeah. that's exactly what these economists Oof. were finding. Yeah. It, well, it, it, the it, sentiment it, should be stronger than it is, and the reason it is not is because of this real income problem. Right. And, uh, and Mr. Biden's got to wrap his because how many times did he tell, oh, inflation's not an issue? He, he hurt himself by essentially lying about it, by right. by poo pooing it and say, oh, you people, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. If he had any degree of sympathy for what we were going through out here, I, I think he, he would be in a much better position than he is. And mm-hmm. uh, good point. Mike. He, he's not a very good salesman. Well, that's, that, that's a good, uh, again, if you're uh, D- D- David, uh, as a Democrat, uh, those are probably pretty good words coming from our economists. Yeah, I actually agree with that, even the last part. Uh, Biden seems to act as if not talking about inflation is the best way to deal with it, yeah. as if, you know, he doesn't mention it, people won't notice it, which is ridiculous. Um, can I risk losing your entire audience by asking Mike a Quick question. question. Quick, quick question. Uh, 
don't people tend to overrate the influence presidents have on the national economy? Absolutely. David, you're exactly right. I, I, I am one who believes that, that some presidents can set the tone. Ronald Reagan was one of those presidents. I'm Matt Miller. Uh, by making fundamental changes. We but are out of no, time. Mike Miller, you get the last word on the program. David Masiota, thank you. Judith Sherwin, thank you very much. Richard Porter, thank you as well. Our thanks also to Fritz Goldman for his assistance in the production of this program. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago.